Welcome to another episode of Conduct Detrimental. My name is Mike Kravchenko and I'm here with John Nucci. How are you doing today, John? Hey, Mike. Good. How are you? Doing awesome. Um, I'm excited to talk, you know, talk today. I mean, it's there's a lot going on in the, you know, in kind of all facets of sports. So we're going to cover a few different things. Um, obviously, a big one, a big topic that's been going on is the NFL turf and grass debate. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the other green of Patrick Reed on the golf course and what's going on there. Um, John, you had a, you know, you had a situation today. Um, you know, you were reporting on that, and uh, there's a lot, a lot of buzz around that. And I'm really excited to kind of hear your perspective. Um, and then we're also going to talk about uh, NCAA basketball players starting to unionize, uh, which is absolutely insane. So I'm excited to really get into all three of these topics. And first, like I had mentioned, the NFL versus turf. I mean, it's insane. On the NFLPA side, a lot of a lot of injuries have been going on, obviously, this year. And, you know, John and I were talking offline beforehand. Like, it's tough to really blame the turf on every single injury. Um, I saw an interview with Chad Ochocinco or Chad Johnson talking about a lot of, you know, these injuries could be coming from diets, from different training plans. Like, you know, the spike in injuries may be coming from different things. You know, he's obviously notorious for his McDonald's diet. That's, just, that's, why, that's why I'm laughing at That's funny coming from him. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I, I'm no doctor. He's clearly no doctor. So, um, yeah. you know, that's interesting. But uh, the executive director of the NFLPA, uh, they released a lengthy statement last week um, trying to basically get every single team to move their stadium facilities into real grass fields. Um, FIFA did something, um, I, I know, uh, similar recently. Uh, so, I mean, the NFL is a little split. I mean, of the 30 stadiums that they have, obviously the two sharing the Chargers and Rams and notoriously the Jets and Giants. Um, 15 of them use turf while the other 15 use grass. So it's literally 50-50. But they think it's bad for athletes, obviously, because it doesn't have as much give. So they think the injuries have increased and the overall injury data is a little bit impossible to ignore. But um, I'm interested to see how they actually settle this because in 2013, they agreed to a $1 billion settlement uh, over concussions. So I'm interested, you know, how they address the injury rate increasing when it comes to Achilles tears, ACL tears. I mean, just this year, you know, it's not non-contact, but, you know, Rogers, Trayvon Diggs, uh, it's interesting to see kind of uh, where the NFL is going to stand on this. And I know... It's only about like 12 million, I believe, to make the whole change to grass. So, you know, what do you think on that, John? I mean, you know, we were talking offline, obviously, about it. But as a football fan, you know, what do you want to see? And then obviously, what do you think is going to happen with the NFLPA? I mean, well, as a football fan, I mean, you don't really want to see injuries because you want to see the all you know the best players on the field. You want to see the best teams and players competing against each other. And when uh, you know players like Aaron Rodgers are crushing your dreams, like four minutes into a uh, four plays into a season, you know it makes it tough because that. I mean, at the end of the day, these teams are businesses, and they invested in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's why they've had a dozen primetime games, or, or they will have a dozen primetime games now with uh, Zach Wilson at the helm, which, 
you know, nobody wanted to watch. I'm sure ticket sales are going to be down. Viewership's going to be down. Jersey sales are going to be down. And why? It's because, you know, you have this turf. Now, on the flip side of that, I did see that MetLife turf is apparently specifically designed to help prevent lower body, body injuries. Uh, so it's going to be hard. It, it, like there, I, I can't imagine any type of lawsuit uh, coming out of this, especially since this turf is allegedly designed to prevent this type of the of this issue uh, and it's also kind of impossible to tell exactly whether you know a natural grass field would have prevented something like this um seems in roger's case honestly maybe it would have because you saw his uh you know the toe and his cleat get stuck in the ground maybe that would have just maybe that you know maybe maybe if that was real grass his, his toe wouldn't have got caught underneath him but who knows? Um, players are going to keep fighting for it. Um, it is more money to upkeep. Obviously, it costs the money to install. But like I said, how much are they losing? I mean, how much How much do you think the Jets lost in value this season by not having Aaron Rodgers? If Arrowhead had turf and Mahomes went down for the season, is it you know is the cost to maintain the grass really worth that loss in value to the Chiefs? Um, but at the, on the flip side of it, injuries can happen on grass, grass fields too. So uh, I, I expect nothing to really happen, to be honest with you. Uh, but w- w- it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. Yeah, because I guess, you know, why I related it to the concussion settlement that they had about a decade ago now is because um, obviously with that, there's a lot more relation to um, – the way football is played, the rules, like you can't really make many rule changes on tearing ACLs besides like, go, you know, going down and down low on players, which they yeah. are making some rules. But and, that's and horse more. collar. I mean, horse collar tackling, yeah. they, they outlawed and kind of in part to prevent that. So, right. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to, I mean, I guess, cause you said you don't think a lawsuit's going to happen. Even you don't think anything will be filed on the NFL PA side, um, in the next, I mean, I, I I really don't, and and part of that is just because I don't know what the standard would be if it's if it's you know negligence. Uh, obviously, the data has come out. The NFLPA said non-contact injuries occur at a higher rate on artificial turf. The NFL came out and kind of said internal league data showed that it was the the rate was the same. Uh, so they're just going to have competing. You know, if the NFL has already done its diligence and they say that the rate of injury is the same. And then MetLife, you know, they'll come out and, and the Giants and the Jets and they'll come out and say, we actually designed this turf to try and prevent these injuries. I don't know what type of, uh, you know, lawsuit would come out of that. I think you're far more likely to just see them take a really hard stance on it uh, in collective bargaining when that comes up again. Um, if that's, yeah, I don't if that's even an issue that can be collective bargained. Um, I imagine that's when it would come out, but I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to the pocketbooks. And if owners are willing to invest the money that it costs in grass fields uh, and the upkeep and the maintenance and the cost to install it rather than losing their star players like this, but uh, the risk is going to be there no matter what. I mean, you know, you can, you can get hurt, but it doesn't matter whether it's a grass field or an artificial turf i mean you, you can get hurt no matter what so um 12 did you say it was 12 million to install and then probably a little bit more to upkeep that's relatively cheap uh is from my perspective i mean for, for, for sure for NFL owner um to to maybe avoid even one injury to a star player yeah i mean that's 
I mean, a star player salary, if that, in today's game. I mean, that's, you know, a star running back salary, which is a whole other issue I know they're going to talk about in the collective bargaining. So um, I think it's crazy. I think because players have way more voices now because they have brands and a lot more backing between, I mean, massive agencies. But, like, you know, their social media followings, they have more loyal fan base, so they speak out a lot more. So I'm like, I think the issues being raised when they get to that point are it's going to be interesting to see what they actually key in on um in that in those bargainings yeah and they've they've there's they have some good leverage on their side and this is probably a good time for them to be making these arguments too i saw darius slay came out david bakhtiari came out a lot of guys were on twitter uh complaining and i think one of the biggest things in their favor or at least uh, you know on their side of this argument is that uh, the the 2026 World Cup, they said that all all the, the leagues are making the stadiums are all making the change for that. Um, so the argument really becomes why what is the justification for making that change for the World Cup for you know athletes that aren't even your employees, uh, but you don't make it for your own players. So uh, that, there, there's not really a good answer to that question. Uh, so that's that's why I expect, given the relatively minor cost to do it um, and the fact that they're kind of backstropping against the wall here and they're losing value when they lose players, I expect them probably to change a lot of the fields over. I just don't expect to see a lawsuit come out of it. Yeah, well, um, I assume if a lawsuit did come out, it would be dismissed, just like we had mentioned earlier when we were going to talk about Patrick Reed. This one, I'm really excited to talk about that. Thank you, because it was dismissed by a federal judge, uh, his defamation lawsuit. Uh, So, uh, yeah, you had a tweet go a little viral today. uh, And, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. And, you know, maybe also who else commented on this and, you know, uh, yeah. (laughs) Right so, well, yeah, actually, so as, as you mentioned, Patrick Reed had filed a defamation lawsuit, one of uh, many defamation lawsuits that Patrick Reed has filed. Uh, by the way, if you play your cards right, Mike, you you might get one. Um, <laughs> but he filed lawsuits against uh, Brandel Chambly, Golf Channel analyst, Iman Lynch, Shane Bacon, uh, several other journalists, news outlets, Associated Press, Gannett. Uh, I think the Associated Press, um, but they were all dismissed by a federal judge uh, today with prejudice, uh, so you can't refile them. Uh, and it, it essentially, what it boiled down to is they said that Reed might be frustrated uh, at some of the negative media coverage that he got over this, but he failed to bring any claims, uh, any actionable claims under either Florida law or under the First Amendment. Um, as I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, there's a, a higher bar for public figures to meet when it comes to defamation. They not only have to prove uh, that the statement was made and it was communicated to a third party and it was maybe a little negligent and it harmed their reputation, they also have to prove that the person did it with actual malice uh, or, or a reckless disregard for the truth. Um, and obviously that's a, a fairly high bar for public figures that's, that's hard to meet. So uh, Reed's case got thrown out. And interestingly, the judge set an October 20th deadline now for uh, I think they're going to do briefing on on whether these uh, defendants in this case um, are actually going to be entitled to attorney's fees from Patrick Reed. So uh, that'll be an interesting development as well, since I'm sure they're not I'm sure they're not they're not they're not light attorney bills. Uh, yeah, absolutely no way. And I, I you know I'm interested 
to hear how similar this is to, I know you mentioned kind of a Brett Favre situation. So that's, I'm not as much intertwined while I watch golf with my dad occasionally, you know, the big majors, I'm not as intertwined in the golf world. So obviously I know who Patrick Reed is, but, um, you know, for in a football sense, you know, how similar this was this to a Brett Favre situation? Uh, it, it was a little similar. I mean, this in the sense that he, it, um, it was a little different, I guess, in the sense that here, he was suing almost every journalist that ever said a bad thing about him uh, or about Live Golf, which was a lot of where his uh, claims died as well. Um, the court noted a lot of his claims, the, the things that he mentioned that were defamatory to him, they, the, the statements never even mentioned his name. Uh, it was only talking about Live Golf in a negative light. Uh, so you can't sue somebody for defamation because they talk about your employer badly. Um, that's kind of, you know, seems seems to be pretty common common sense to me and is probably the reason why they're now talking about him maybe being on the hook for attorney's fees uh, because a claim like that doesn't make any sense but um, yeah Brett Favre is it, he has the same high bar as a public figure that Patrick Reed does uh, and that's most likely the reason that Favre ultimately dropped is because it was probably leading to the same result so yeah because and how much of it really isn't truth I mean and obviously when people go on podcasts like us or you know reporting things there's so many more news outlets or different ways to uh portray patrick reed i guess in different new media uh so i you know going after as many people as he did i mean i i can't imagine that this would ever go well for i mean you mentioned it's hard for celebrities but can you even think of a situation recently that really succeeded uh, <laughs> like no not in this context he was also yeah. suing for he was also suing for like 750 million dollars which is just an obs he, he had a bunch of pending defamation lawsuits at all at one time that were over a billion dollars um speaking of which iman lynch who was one of the people he sued quote tweeted uh my tweet today and said something wrong to the effect of i guess i'll cancel the check for 11 billion dollars um, Brandel Chambly, Brandel Chambly also quote tweeted me today and made it and, and commented on it. He was one of the other, uh, people named in this lawsuit. So, uh, it got a lot of traction from, from golf media today. It's, uh, every, every I, I, I have a handful of these golf tweets every now and then that just kind of blow up. I have this little niche that has really exploded in the last couple of years. So. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, I love to see it. That's actually, yeah, that's, I mean, I hopped on Twitter right after work and all I see is. I mean, you came to the top. It immediately promoted your tweet. <laughs> it was just, I mean, I had mentioned the replies immediately. That's my favorite part. Um, and see, yeah, seeing I, some I, of those accounts. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I get a lot of reply guys. I get a, quite a bit of reply guys. I could tweet. I, I told Dan lost. I said, I could tweet. I could tweet a, a video of me saving a puppy and put it on Twitter. And I would just get so many people in my replies telling me I did it wrong. Yeah, you, you know nothing, John Nucci. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's, that's my for 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 those at home. That's the the banner of my Twitter is some guy that once told me I know nothing. So that's okay. It's so amazing. I mean, <laughs> it, it seems like Patrick Reed knew nothing here. I mean, in my opinion, does as a practicing attorney and does a judge or an attorney like see something like this and kind of just laugh it out of the courtroom or out of the like? For the uh, numbers specific, like just when you mentioned those numbers to me, that's kind of what set me over the bar, like 750 million. Like, 
I mean, how, how do you come up with a number like that? Like, yeah, I don't even remember how, how they, how they tried to quantify that or how they tried to justify that number. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure the judge took it very, you know, seriously as any federal judge is going to, but the case never really had a chance. Um, I don't think it was, I, I don't, I, it was kind of dead in the water from the minute it was filed, uh, just given what it was. Like I said, he, uh, I mean, they're analysts, their, their job is to opine on things. And the issue for Patrick Reed is that they have to be state, they, they, opinions, uh, something that is a clear opinion is not, is not, does not usually rise to the level of defamation. Um, it's, it's just somebody's opinion. Um, and not to mention statements of truth are obviously uh, a defense to defamation. Not saying anything that they said was true, but um, that's just another hurdle, you know, that, that they, that public figures have to, have to cross. So yeah, this is uh, kind of an end to a long saga. He had sued a lot of people. Um, I don't think any of them were ever particularly concerned based on the, what I've heard. Um, but yeah, it's uh, a, a, our, our long national nightmare and uh, Patrick Reed is over. So, And now a word from our sponsor, Spotify. Another headline, obviously, that we had saw last week uh, that Dartmouth Hoops is looking to push for a union, uh, you know, kind of continuing on the forever topic of our NCAA athletes, employees and with NIL and everything else going on the last few years, just the transfer portal. I mean, they have more, Aaron Rodgers mentioned this on the Pat McAfee show. I mean, they have better free agency than actual professional athletes. Like they have way more freedom to move around and uh, get paid kind of the rate that they want. Um, You know, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen um, players choose other schools, um, you know, because they're getting a certain paycheck from, which is, you know, which is crazy because uh, conceptually and by law, they're not, you're not supposed to be able to use NIL as an inducement. Uh, but that's just, that's just what, you know, what the practice is. It seem, seems to be what the practice is. So, yeah, exactly. So I do understand having somewhat of a, they have somewhat of a like to stand on, in my opinion. Uh, service Employees International Union, Local 560. Um, of Concord, New Hampshire. They filed a petition with the National Labor uh, Relations Board for the recognition of 15 of their men's basketball players at Dartmouth uh, to become a union. Um, Obviously, the petition will take time to play out. There's not a whole lot of information uh, surrounding what is actually in the petition and uh, what is fully being claimed by them, but um, it is subject to litigation in a federal courts because, I mean, it is really again the topic of whether basketball players are employees um which would be a prerequisite obviously to be a union you'd have to be an employee so um i'm interested to see because it's it's the larger movement that's going on right now it's i mean everything on the outside you zoom out you know you take someone that is maybe like you know my younger brother is not a sports fan you you introduce this type of you know this concept to him that these players are being paid pretty much directly for their for their talents um you know if they weren't good then they wouldn't be on top teams and you know being on national media um i know a a team like texas you know paying their offensive linemen you know it, it is the way that they've been utilizing nil early on and the transfer portal is very employee like and like 
professional football. Um, and the way that now, in my opinion, which makes it even crazier, the pack it's going to become the pack two, you know, like you have these players traveling all over the country. Um, so I'm surprised to see that it's coming out of Dartmouth and not, you know, a UCLA or a Cal or, you know, um, just any, 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 any teams that are more going to be dealing with travel. And so what do you think? I mean, NCAA athletes might start becoming employees soon. Yeah, I mean, I, it, Dartmouth is Ivy League. Uh, you know, they're not they're not stupid over there. They they uh, you know they're no Penn State, but um, you know they they <laughs> uh, you know they, they I, I'm not. It, it really could have came out of anywhere. Uh, Northwestern tried back in 2014. Uh, NLRB denied that request in 2015. Uh, the thing that they have going in their favor, though, uh, that that Dartmouth has going in their favor, attitude from 2015 to today, the attitude surrounding. The, the general perception and attitude surrounding college athletes and the level of compensation that they deserve or should be paid, if any, has drastically shifted. Um, 2015, this was not even really, this was not a conversation. NIL wasn't even a conversation. Um, it wasn't a conversation at all. Uh, so it, it, it's, it, it really started, I think, around that time. Um, right around 2015, because the Seventh Circuit in 2016, uh, they also said that 20 student athletes are not employees uh, because uh, employees of their schools because the Fair Labor Standards Act was basically not intended to apply. They call them extracurricular activities. Um, 2019, I think we got a little closer. The Ninth Circuit said the same thing. Student athletes are not employees of the NCAA uh, because the NCAA is basically a regulator. And now we have this Johnson NCAA decision that's coming down uh, at a time when the attitude around college athletes has drastically shifted. Um, Johnson versus NCAA, that's, that's students that are seeking compensation for time they spend in practice and in competition. They analogize themselves to, uh, you know, basically a student ticket taker or a library worker, the same people that work on campus and get paid for it. Uh, so that decision is pending from the Third Circuit, and that comes at the same time as this Dartmouth decision. So uh, what do you think? Do you think that the, this, this whole shift in attitude around college sports, um, you know, you tend to see that reflected in, in court decisions uh, sometimes and, and, and a, on a you know, wider society basis. You see attitudes shifting affect how judgments uh, come down. So maybe that's what we're seeing here. Maybe the Third Circuit comes down and, you know, they create a circuit split that says they're employees and uh, maybe the NLRB does does the same. And uh, maybe all of these these athletes start getting paid soon. Is that what you see coming or do you think there's still going to be uh, there's still more years to come until that happens? No, I mean, I do think um, it's at least in the next couple of years. I think they need, do need to iron out more of the NIL rules and kind of have more a better structure as to uh, how they're getting paid, why they're getting paid, um, and really where the compensation is coming from, uh, just to actually iron out where their employment is. So is their employment going to come from, are they going to be employees of the colleges? Are they employees of the conferences or of the NCAA? Or, you know, like, I'm interested how that, who's going to be and then are they good? Like, so my stance on it as forever, I mean, when I was in school, even 
from middle school onwards, you know, once I ended up studying sports management, like that was always a topic. Uh, should athletes writing papers, you know, that's always, a, I'm sure you've talked about it in your uh, classes as well, just uh, NCAA athletes becoming employees. It What is their, sa- like, is it going to be, are they going to be salaried employees? Are they going to be hour- hourly employees? Like, I'm interested in just the, how that's going to operate. Is NIL going to be considered part of like a salary for that to be the employment or is the school tuition considered to be because they are getting I mean some of these schools are hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend and you know they are getting that aspect of it um, for compensation Uh, plus on top of that I'm sure they're getting um, stipends each semester now NIL is a portion of it they may be getting things from collectives and maybe getting things um, I mean in my opinion, they should be profiting off of their name, image, and likeness. You know, if you want to go do a commercial, you should be able to do that. Or you want to have a YouTube channel, uh, you know, uh, vlogging your football life, you should be able to do that, in my opinion. And um, But that's where I'm interested. I, I think it's, it is a separate thing. Like, you know, are, are you going to – how are you how are you going to, I guess, identify their compensation – because like for us, obviously, like for me, I'm a salaried employee. Um, it's pretty black and white. This is not so black and white. Uh, there's a lot of areas where they could be generating income. Um, yeah. And and the other thing to that point is like if they're hourly, I mean, I, how, how do you really – it's a lot of hours. And how do you really quantify that? Uh, and that's part of the issue that, that the Third Circuit is, you know, that the, at least the Eastern District of Pennsylvania said. They put in 30-plus hours a week. And they gain no real significant academic, yeah, they gain no significant academic benefit from it, um, which makes it basically more like an employment relationship than, you know, than something that's ancillary to their their education. Uh, So I can tell you pretty confidently that no matter what, how it comes down, schools are not going to uh, just lose money and they're not going to do this in a way. If anything, if they have to start paying student athletes, that means uh, I can almost assure you that athletic scholarships are going to start going down. Um, You know, so the money's got to come from somewhere. And I I know it's not going to come from their reserves uh, because that's just not what schools do. Uh, it's not what universities do. They're on, you know, in the business of making money uh, for the most part, and that's they're going to continue to do that, whether they have to pay employee, uh, you know, student athletes as employees or not. So, um, I can't wait for the Third Circuit to weigh in. I'm really looking forward to that because it's just, it's uh, it, it, if they say no, then then you know they're not employees. Then all of a sudden, there's three different circuits uh, that all say no, uh, which is is you know that would that would be pretty strong precedent. Uh, against that point so yeah and also to that i know they mentioned division one college athletes but what about division two division three this is this gets very you know a snowball effect starts to happen uh, because um at a school and realistically this is just realistic having worked at uh two division one schools now um you know i've seen different work hours for them just at the two schools that I've been at and different work hours for them at Alabama football, you know, like Alabama football is working. I, I, I believe probably much more than your standard division one football program. Uh, so, you know, the, the 30 hours that you mentioned 
absolutely no shot. It's 30. It's way over 30 hours. Um, you know, so uh, overtime pay, time and a half. You know, like there's just it, it gets sticky. And I want to know also how they think the Division One, the difference between Division One, Two, and Three athletes are athletes you know they're playing their sports so yeah that's um, paying at different levels different it's just like uh, i mean they would be in for it to be (laughs) uh starting to pay these people yeah certainly it's it's a big discrepancy alabama you said you don't get to you don't get to 12th in the in the country uh uh, you know double what penn state is by uh just putting in a little bit (laughs) just you know a few hours uh certainly more than the you know golf team at uh you know whatever uh you know small d2 university um so yeah it's there, there's a lot to shake out can't say i'm i'm overly confident in the ncaa's ability to do it given their history uh so i think it's probably going to come down to the courts to decide what happens and, and force their hand a little bit i have to get this in we need to start a a, a tradition maybe for the listeners to take a shot every time Penn State every time you sneak in a Penn State uh, reference I like working I like working it in I like working it in. I love it no matter what the sport is we'll we'll somehow figure out the Penn State hey yeah. that's pride though I mean I saw the whiteout uh that's I mean I just I have to I have to go have to go I was uh I was at a wedding down in Long Island during the whiteout and my girl, I had it up on my phone on the on the table uh, during like the father daughter dance, and my girlfriend's my girlfriend's friends were like, "Seriously, you can't look away for twenty minutes?" And I was like, "No, it's a big game." Yeah, that's a special <laughs> one. No, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But I think that'll do it for us uh, this week on Conduct Detrimental. At least for us, uh, you know, we really appreciate you guys listening every time. Uh, I know that these topics will probably be spoken about again at you know the NFL turf and unionizing of uh, the Division One uh, athletes. So I'm excited to see how all these transpire and um, the developments that are going to be happening probably relatively soon on on a bunch of these. So uh, like you'd mentioned, the Olympics coming soon. So, um, yeah, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, for John Nucci, I am Mike Kripchenko. Hope you guys have a great day and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.